Zelda potion, and he just pasted it directly into yeah. his manuscript. That. Wait, are you the last person in here? Yes. <gasps> Wow, well that was... That was that was a noise. It was powerful. It was, it was not. <laughs> With gusto. <laughs> the gusto. The grit. The challenge. I don't know. Yeah, John Boyne is... I don't know, work. I've never read him, I but, read Boyne's Strike Pajamas when I was like 16, 17, somewhere in there, but... I saw the movie, and here's my thing. I was actually just explaining this to a patron today. I was like, my thing about... I, I will read anything that has a tragic bent to it because I love that, but be straight up with me about it. Like, don't use it as a plot device to be like, and look, I'm actually telling you a story about the Holocaust. You should have picked up on these signs in this 200 page, look, look, sir, just tell me straight up. Start with the Holocaust boy and the kid and be real about it. Like, don't but lead was, me was into it? the garden to path. That, he was trying to say that all Germans couldn't possibly have known about the Holocaust, even boys who lived on the edge mm-hmm. of the property. He was trying. Was it not Bush? Are we talking more in the striped pajamas? Yes. Holocaust? Okay. Yeah. Af- like, years afterwards. Like, I literally went into that movie entirely blind, and by the end of it, I had finally put enough pieces together that I was going, wait a minute. But it was not evident. It really? should have been, but it was not really the evident. The text of the book was we, we really, functionally We well. literally watched it in my history class when we talked about World War II. I watched it in my class as well, and then my mom watched it on TV, and then she got really angry. I could see in school. class, because you're in a class, like... Why else would you be watching it? You know that it's a World War II thing because you're in class. But like to watch it out of the blue because your cousin's like, you need to, you need to check out this movie. I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. It has all the things. That are, what okay. the? At what point did you not, at what point did you realize? Here's the thing. <laughs> this is why Schindler's List works and Boy in the Striped Pajamas does not. I, you're Schindler's so to watch it. Schindler's <laughs> List is I've never watched up. it before. Like, it's just like, you want to know what this was like? Wait, you've never seen it? Boom. I've never read it, never seen it. You're not missing anything. The movie no, is really not. Eh. Yeah. But at the it's, same time, yeah. like, isn't Daniel Thewlis in it, though? I don't know, and I don't care. Daniel Thewlis is in it, but the... David Thewlis, actually. Let's get that Thank correct. Thank you. Um, but so... Look up so <laughs> I mean... It's cheap. It's a cheap thrill, and to treat the Holocaust like a cheap thrill infuriates me. Because I've seen that slave okay. movie that does that same thing, which well, is why I refuse to watch Django Unchained. I'm like, no. David, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. No. You don't get to do that to something that generations of people experienced and are still experiencing. Okay. Like, Raining it in a little bit. <laughs> Nah. Back up. Us nah. it in? Only just no. five o'clock. Good afternoon, dear... Yes, but some of us are on a clock. Good morning. Good afternoon. Yeah. Good, Good night. Good afternoon, dear listeners. Of course, you know, depending on what time you download and listen to our podcast, could be good, Good morning. afternoon. Good morning. Greetings. Good night. Hello. And good luck. Um, <laughs> and good day. No. Good day, sir. <laughs> I totally believe... Yeah. The, is that a middle grade novel? Wait, what is it? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Cuspy, I'd yeah. say Cuspy. more like that's elementary a, age. That's a middle grade novel. But like you could read it in middle school. I'm not Stephanie. Well, that's, yeah. that's one of my we'll questions see, okay, for later. We'll get there. We'll, we'll get, get there. there. We'll I have that question for later. We got routine. Questions we got routine. Later. You should probably like, that's early hint has been given to what the topic of the podcast is today. However, let's go around and around and around. What are we all reading, watching, playing, dreaming about? I don't know. What are we reading? 
Do you want to know what we're all dreaming uh, about? Yes. <laughs> what are you dreaming um, about, Grant? I don't know. I haven't oh, had a dream in a few days. What are you reading, Grant? <laughs> what am I reading? Yes. Um, I am reading Universal Harvester by... Oh, John Darnielle. John Darnielle, yes. Ah, cool. um, I just started it last night, so yeah. I'm not, I don't really have a full picture of what's going on, but yeah. it's already kind of kind of creepy, kind of cool. Yeah. Um, it's about a guy who works at a video store in like the late 1990s, just as DVDs are about to wipe out that whole, <laughs> yeah. you know, thing. Yeah. Um, Rip Blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, we spell their doom. People start returning VHS tapes with things that aren't supposed to be on the VHS Uh-oh. tapes. They're not, but it's not porn. It's not porn. Oh, okay, yeah, I was gonna say that. How, how dare you? This is a wholesome. This is a wholesome podcast. It's just a word that has a definition that I you know. can look up in the dictionary. I'm sorry. I'm joking. But you tried okay. not to say murder snatch the other week. <laughs> <laughs> Murder <laughs> snatch. That's why. <laughs> Anarchy. She wrote. Um, <laughs> it's terrible. Cool. So you like it so far? I mean, yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Vibes. Yeah. Also, okay. a tribute, because I learned that Dave Wolverton died, and he's an author. When? Like a month ago. No. Yeah. yeah did you Lies. Know? I, I I didn't learn until like last week. No one told me I about this. I literally got the CNN push notification when it happened. Oh seriously? I yes. loathe you. A CNN push. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Aaron, what are you? What are you? Yeah. Uh, wow. Speaking of, Aaron, what are you reading? My heart hurts. How could? Yeah. Right. What the heck? Okay, so reading-wise, um, I'm reading. I gotta get the title real quick. Hold on. Um, is called A Taste for Poison, 11 Deadly Molecules and the Killers Who Used Them. Mm. Essentially, the book is about, you know, what it says on the tin. It's exactly what you think it's about. It's about people who use poison and how they use it in all the different ways. Uh, So, like, shady scientists, medical professionals, spurned lovers, etc. And it's because, (laughs) I'm reading it because I signed up for a webinar in a couple weeks, like a free one to do in my off time, about uh, the use of arsenic in Victorian books. Mm. In the actual, like, book covers. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this is a really cool, interesting, like, connection that I found there. Yeah. Um, game-wise, I've decided to re-pick up. Uh, re-pick up is the key word here. Um, it's the game called The Last Remnant. Um, oh. It's from 2008-ish. It's mm-hmm. done by the people who do Final Fantasy, so it's Square Enix. So, you know, top-tier, like, storytelling going on here. Mm-hmm. Um Essentially, there's a bunch of remnants or mysterious ancient artifacts that are tied to a person, and only one person can like use their power specifically, and um, your main character is trying to find his sister, mm. who has been kidnapped. Oh. Um, because their parents are like some scientists or like some really high up people in a whole other system. And he lands himself in the middle of a battlefield where somebody is using one of these remnants. Yeah. Because he's been, he he was trying to find his sister and he gets like literally like picked up and teleported via like Final Fantasy style magic because that's the type of game it is to this random location and he finds himself in the middle of it. They get him out of the battlefield and he ends up trying to enlist their help 
And by enlisting their help, he accidentally gets them all tied up in a war with mm. the people who have kidnapped his sister mm. because they're like the evil villains of the whole entire thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ending of it is quite tragic because you get really attached to the characters and mm. stuff happens to them. And Naturally. Whew, it has definitely got that Square Enix tra- Final Fantasy tragedy thing going on in the middle of it. Mm. And what really sucks is you can't exactly buy it anymore because they've taken it off like the stores. Oh. Uh. So I own it still. So yeah. So I can still play it. But if you like go to buy it right now, good luck, Charlie. Uh, is there Jen, a reason for also? No, um, we I don't specifically know. There were rumors of a remaster at some point, but like nobody actually knows. They ran out of money. <laughs> they would have gotten more money. Wow. Well. Anyways, Jen, what are you reading? What are you What are you doing? I am rereading. Besides suffering, <laughs> because of the state of my life currently, I am rereading the Anthropocene reviewed by John Green. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Is that a book that gives your heart a hug, or is it? No. <laughs> I don't for me. think that's... Is it? Okay. Yeah. Right. I like that's fair. John's way of talking and his yeah. way of viewing the world. He does have a very... It is comforting in the ten minutes a day I have to myself between <laughs> tech week rehearsals. My brain is made out of bees. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or penguins. Wow. No. <laughs> Jen Noble starring in... Mr. Popper's Penguins. Which you will all already missed. be over yeah, by the time say, this You all missed That's it. right. That's Two legs. How dare you. Um, you snooze, you lose. Oh, well. <laughs> Should have promoted it last week. <laughs> and in Read Dreams, I don't have those. So, Andy. Ah! <laughs> I just pass out and wake up again. <laughs> that should be a t-shirt. That's exactly what <laughs> or I did, Or a Lin-Manuel Miranda song. <laughs> I don't know. That... Never mind. Um, I am starting probably within the next hour and a half, How to Be Perfect by Michael Schur, the creator of The Good Place, narrated by, of course, Michael Schur, Kristen Bell, Darcy Carden, Ted Danson, William Jackson Harper, Manny... How do you Jacinto. say Jacinto. Jacinto, thank you. I couldn't remember how to say his last name. Mark Evan Jackson, Jamila Jamil, Todd May. I am in the mood for something that's going to give my heart a hug. Oh, like a, a literary form of chocolate milk, and I hope it does not fail me. Just remember to um, read something that's going to make you throw it out the window later. Oh, yes, we will. Yes. Oh, I I'm actually, foreshadowing. The book thief was that, but we'll get I'm, into that I'm later. I'm foreshadowing. Um, and Andy, I believe the technical term is chalky milk. Chalky milk connoisseur, thank you. Hi, <laughs> um, hey, all of you. Chalky milk today. seceding <laughs> And, um, you know, I'm not really playing anything, and I'm dreaming, I don't know. Crazy dreams, but really you know, doing the dream thing. That's what? That's what? <laughs> you know what? I did have a tornado dream. A tornado. Okay. I, 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 I have a lot of tornado dreams, like traveling okay. cross country tornadoes, stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. This, okay. Or, Anyways, did they ever this... involve Lord Eggington? <laughs> Lord Eggington is dead. I heard him crack. <laughs> Tony, wow. this got real bleak. What are you reading? Um, <laughs> well, we're about to talk about middle grade, so it's gonna get real bleak. Um, I am. I just finished an incredible middle grade book called A Soft Place to Land by Janae Marks. Beautiful, fantastic, wonderful book. Um, And I just started, uh, by which I mean I only read like half of the first chapter, because for some reason there are long chapters in this, whatever. Um, But it's called The Only Black Girls in Town by Brandy Colbert, and it so far is really, really well written, so we'll see how it develops, because... It could be a fun one, I think. All right. Yay. No dreams? No. 
<laughs> not particular. What even are dreams? How do they work? I had a horrible, How do they exist? I did have a horrible <laughs> dream a month ago that set me in a tailspin for a 24-hour period, and it was a dream in which Chelsea and Jen both fired. Well, we should do a, a psychic <laughs> dream episode in the future. Yes, how about we However, go? what is your... We're booked all the way to 2023. You asked me about my dream, and I was telling you, and now you're cutting me off. Listen, what we, the can't, heck? we can't do a dream podcast until 2023. We're already all booked. Sorry. That's fair. We got a couple in June. Okay. We're all booked. We can't Subject. do it until 2023. Let's do some well, middle grade. Let's go. Round round. Can we dial it back? Yes. <laughs> click, 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 click. Middle grade fiction. Yeah. What is it? Oh, I hate that question already. What uh, is it? It's very loaded. Um, I, my loaded question was actually going to be uh, where... Up in YSD, we're gonna fix ourselves to YSD. Where exactly would you place middle grade? Is it only tween? Is it only, oh is it J? Oh my God, okay, so. <laughs> I'm here to make everyone suffer. If you need to stand on a soapbox, we can like clear the table. Yeah, like you need to clear the table for me to stand on a soapbox. Here's the they thing can about just stick it on the chair. Middle grade, yeah, I could. Um, don't touch me. Uh, here's the thing about middle grade that uh, is fascinating as a category, because it's really an age category, is that it's much larger than people assume. And it also is very, very much not YA. There are so many people in the public perception who are like, oh my God, that YA book Charlotte's Web just really sent me go. Like, no. No, like Charlotte's Web is barely a middle grade book. I like, would, like weirdly, and we have not discussed this at all because I feel like the discussion always leads to like what is the dividing line between MG and YA. Yeah, and I feel like right. that ground is getting tread. But what is the dividing yeah. ground between like a J, as we would refer to it upstairs, and an MG? I think there's That's a if there's a the lot question. of blending. Like okay, so for example, you look at a book like the One and Only Ivan, right? Mm-hmm. It's definitely solidly a middle grade book that elementary school readers devour. Because it really is written for elementary school readers. Or The Tale of Despero is another one. That's definitely, like, it's an elementary school read. Middle grade begins in elementary school. Because when you're that age, you tend to read up. Yes. Um, Even if it's only, like, a year or two, or what they call levels, don't get me started. Um... You read a couple of years up, so yeah. like. So this, if you are a fifth grader, you're starting to read about middle schoolers. Yeah, so you know, middle grade fiction has a couple of like the what they call like lower middle grade, which is like your fourth and fifth grade readers, and then you have upper middle grade, and those are just yes. all of your middle school readers. And honestly, by the time you're in seventh grade, you're either reading comfortably about middle schoolers because you haven't figured middle school out yet, because <laughs> what is middle school? Um, or you're like venturing into your first sort of YA books, but you know, in the current market, that's hard to do in seventh grade. Yeah, there's yeah. a there's a very real lack of like the sort of lower YA to use the terminology you were just putting into place. Yeah, especially because yeah. I feel like anymore with YA, <clears throat> you know, we've got the Percy Jacksons and Rick's entire imprint basically based around the same concept now. Yeah. Or if you're, like, an adventure MG reader, you're set until you're, like, 17. Yeah, exactly. Not to pull focus, but aren't there also, uh, from middle grade, but aren't there also, like, a divided kind of, like, levels of YA, too? Not anymore. Not, not really. It used to be. <laughs> like, there did used to be, again, a sort of, like, the younger YA or the lower YA, whatever terminology you want to use it for. Yeah. Like, Allie Carter, who I still really love. 
easily defines Jenny her books Hans's that way. first trilogy, I think, was Jenny like, Hans has been yeah. described that way. Shannon Hale's YA works yeah. have all been described that way. Mm-hmm. And all of those ladies are still publishing, but they've all had to make some really major, like, sort of genre shit because YA has become such a thing. But we'll save that for next very shortly. Yeah, we'll, yeah. Soon. Dear listeners, we'll circle back to that, but in a different episode. That's a so, yeah. shadow. So I think middle, yeah, middle grade is again, it's bigger than people tend to give it credit for, but it's also it's not just about middle school aged kids. Like it really is like that upper elementary and all of middle school. Maybe even into freshman year of high school, really. Maybe even yeah, because again, you know, there are readers who are ninth grade who like. Again, they read solidly at a ninth grade level. Like they've met right. their match in the book, mm-hmm. and so they're not ready yet for an eleventh grade or twelfth grade level book, or they're just kind of tired. Like they're just yeah. like, I don't want to read anything difficult. I want to <laughs> have fun. Or, yeah, or like I, I was, know. you know, I was always on the very youngest end of the grade, like just barely turning fourteen, the, the, like when freshman year started. Mm-hmm. So like. If you're on the older end, I could see being more ready for some of the YA books because you're already 15, you're getting up there. Yeah. But for some of like, the younger grade end of the spectrum, I could see just comfort. Like, there are some very weird, like, you don't feel it when you are that age, but like, looking back, there are some very deep chasms between like 14 and 16 and 18. Huge. And I don't feel it. I felt it Im- immensely. You don't I, always feel um, it. I. I suppose it depends on the human you yes. are. <laughs> ah, adolescence was catastrophic. Um, but anyway, middle grade. Is anyone have any questions? What's your favorite? What's my favorite? Oh, that's a horrible question. What's my favorite of all the middle grade books ever? Yes. I have to name one? Top three. Listen, it's obviously Howl's Moving Castle. Stop asking. I feel like Howl's Moving Castle is not a middle grade novel. No, but they... Um, Wizard of Earthsea? It is solidly YA. Wizard of Earthsea is even a YA book. Um, Really? Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was really published as a YA book. Even though they put them in those sections, they're really not. Yeah, because, okay, again, okay, so Wizard of Earthsea... Yeah. Is there something about how the topics in those books are treated that makes you say they're YA? Because on some level, too, like, yeah. middle grade fantasy has yeah. a lot of same beats as YA fantasy, at least, like, as, since the, that's kind of where we're landing Yeah, right the now. language is too sophisticated in both of them. Yeah, like, there's language use was something I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. To throw Sarah J. Moss in there, even though she's, like, really technically a new adult at this point, if you're 12 and you've just read Percy Jackson, I'm not handing you Throne of Glass. Nope. Nope. Uh, oh. Okay, see, okay, let's talk or about this. Maybe or maybe throw it a glass, but then as the series progresses. I do want to talk about this, because there is an interesting thing that I, honestly, it was not, I was not that reader. But there are other kids who are definitely this kind of reader. There is a divide between the fantasy reader and the non-fantasy reader this is at this is 12. True. This is very fantasy true. Fantasy readers at 12 can handle a lot. That's fair. You're not right. They, that's what they're used to. I mean, we're at 12 as a fantasy reader, you're an obsessive. True. Otherwise, yes. you wouldn't be reading fantasy. <laughs> and your books have been big for years because, well, it's kind of a thing. Yeah. When you have put dragons in your book, suddenly they yeah. just get And bigger. also, when you're building a whole second world, you're allowed a little more page room to build that for people. Yeah, so I think, like, it's one of those things where, or you sometimes, like, you find yourself reading older fantasy works, like... Narnia that have like a sophisticated even if the language is not necessarily sophisticated in some of those the structure is sophisticated or the 
you know, the, the texture of the worlds that he's yeah. building or the subjects that he's covering are sophisticated in a way that's approachable. Yeah. So that your brain is doing all kinds of things subconsciously that you're not even aware of, but you want something that complex almost always to get you through high school. Readers of non fantasy subjects like mysteries or historical fiction, which I was a big deal for me in middle school. Um, Working your way into romances, maybe. Yeah, it's not quite the same. It's not that it's less sophisticated. It's more that the book can't play around as much. Like, it has, it has to... It has to give you a vibe. Like, it has to be yeah. a certain mood. And if it doesn't fit mm. the mood, it could be a historical fiction. Like, you could say all day long to a kid who, like, loves historical fiction and wants to read more World War II books. Here, you need to read... Um, Codename Verity. Codename Verity, because it's a solid World yep, War II... it's hitting all these boxes you're telling me you But if they read the first page and it's not giving them the vibe that historical fiction has for them for however long they've been reading it, suddenly they're like, uh-uh, that's not... Not for me. Like they just, and they're like, oh no. Yeah, like there's a whole, it's a weird textural thing in middle yeah. grade that like genres sort of start to become a little bit more important in middle grade yeah. for yeah. the first time. Whereas in elementary school, elementary school kids read anything. Like, I read the car manual. <laughs> yeah. What? I read, I habitually read cereal boxes and shampoo bottles because yes. I needed to read in the shower. Yeah. And I realized that carrying a book in the shower was not a good idea. <laughs> So I would read shampoo, shampoo bottles. That's why I was reading the car manuals. We were stopped at the gas station. I had finished my book. Yep. Um, teen yep. magazine, seventeen. Growing up, four older sisters. It was. Oh, I was gonna yeah. say. Yeah, I learned a lot growing up that I probably shouldn't have known at that point in my life. See, at that point in my life, all my friends who were older than me had the otaku, like Shonen Jump, yeah. like magazines, Ooh. the giant ones, and so I would literally just like steal it from them during the day and then hand it back to them at lunch, and they would know that I have done so because I would literally just grab it and go, hey, can I read this? And they're like, yeah, sure, bring it back at lunch. And I would just read the whole entire thing. It's like that, where um, Shonen Jump ones, like middle gradey style, mm -hmm. um, you don't exactly get that. There's like a lot of genre differences. Yeah, right. And there's a lot of I would say like if you're like reading like your fantasy novels there's a lot like more that you can dive into there's a lot more maturity that's in there oh yeah um, yes. you get that a lot mm -hmm. with that style of stuff too and it's there yeah and also you are like manga and anime fans tend to become them in middle school because that's where like, they just find themselves in that direction. It may not even be a reason. Yep. It might be your dad watches them, or it might be your older sibling watches them, or it might be you caught it one night when you weren't supposed to be up in sixth grade, and wow, Yasha's on. Yeah, yeah, you're like, whatever this thing is doing, nothing's ever done this to me before. I want more. And so you become, there's a sense of maturity that you have in middle school when you're an anime manga fan because not only are you engaging with something that is a lot older than what you should be usually reading. older but also it's a completely different storytelling like world perspective than you've ever had before no movie that you've ever seen has done this to you before because right. disney does not make movies like that or yep. no one in america makes movies like that i mean it's a whole completely different shift and if you can handle that and you, you, you want more yeah. you're going to be a little bit more sophisticated as a 
connoisseur of art. <laughs> I just said that. It's not even like that. It's more just like you get your like maturity and like your little fantasy and the fantasy, but like there's like a level up from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially because you're reading things that are like, for example, I'm gonna use one that's probably you shouldn't be reading as a middle grade reader. Like, I mean, around the age, uh, but like Attack on Titan like style things. Oh yeah, every you middle know exactly school I know was like, yeah, Attack yeah. on Titan for like years. Yeah, but when you actually like read it and you know what's like in there and what they're like portraying and you're like. Why are you reading? What? What? We're, yeah. You're, Let them read it. They're doing what? But then you're like, okay, fine, whatever. Go, go read, <laughs> go read your thing. No, there is that very much that weird level of like, as much as we say like, oh man, it's weird, to, you know, for me to think of a middle schooler reading Throne of Glass. A lot of the time when they don't understand something, it's not scarring them. They're just like, that's clearly something I'll learn more about one day, and then keep going. They just move on. Yeah. Or it's couched in a scene that's boring them to death, and they're just like, next. And they, and don't they, even know, they just, didn't even read that part. They're just like, yeah. <laughs> they skip like five pages. <laughs> you were going back to read a book that you, maybe a book as a younger reader that you read and you didn't fully grasp, and then you came back to it years later, you're like, oh, oh, wow. Like, it's like watching movies. Like, when you're a kid, you're watching these R-rated movies, and then you go back and watch it as an adult, like, oh, dear God, my parents should go to, you know. Well, I mean, yeah. You say that, like, I was allowed to watch R-rated movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's what I'm saying. That didn't happen. You had a question, I think. I had a couple questions pop up here and there. But I can't remember what it was now. Oh, boo! You Actually, should have no, we're talking down. about the complexities of middle grade a little bit, like sure. some of the variations of it. Um, so why middle grade? I mean, why can't we just throw them primers and tell them to learn their letters? Let's talk about well, one because we don't live in 1912. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've kind of moved past that part as a society. <laughs> and also, they're 12. Like, yeah, they're not two. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, they're one, two. I don't yes. even know how to... I hate all of these. I don't even know how to engage with that question. Tony, I'm um, now seceding with you. I'm done. Um, okay. <laughs> Let's talk what about is, what the, is the trajectory of yes. middle grade. The history, the growth. Oh! The, oh. <laughs> Do you think middle grade has gotten more or less complex over the years? Much more. more, more much more. In the more. last five years alone, it has become incredibly complicated. Like... The storytelling. I was actually just examining this recently because yeah. I'm reading a nonfiction. <laughs> I want. I realized that I didn't understand anything about the history of children's literature except the history of fantasy in children's literature, and I was like, I'm missing a lot here. Oh no! So <laughs> I checked out a whole bunch of books, and one of them is by the wonderful Dr. Rudin Sims Bishop, who. Give us mirrors, windows, and sliding glass doors. Yes, I bow to the queen. Um, so. Wonderful black female scholar um, from Ohio. Um, we'll forgive her for the state that she lives and works in. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, she wrote a book called Free Within Ourselves, which is a whole examination of like how African American um, writers, illustrators, and characters and stories entered into American children's literature um, and grew. Mm-hmm. And what's striking when you look at some of the first like novelists in that category, which are people like Walter Dean Myers and Virginia Hamilton, Mildred D. Taylor, all of whom were published in 68, 69, 1970 for the very first time. So it's like, wow, we got to the 60s before suddenly black children could be children? This is demented and says a lot about America. But anyway, my mother was born in 65, by the way, just to give you guys a little spin on what that must have felt like. Anyway, all of that is to say that if you read those early, early like texts, as sophisticated as they are on one level of like 
they're obviously telling, like they're, like they're obviously using language in a way that hasn't been used in American fiction before. They're obviously using like symbology and cultural touchstones and all of those things that, you know, if you're not a black child growing up, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't know anything about. Or if you are a black child, you wouldn't have read it in a book before. So it's mind blowing simply for existing. That would cut no ice with middle schoolers today because yeah. it's too simple. The stories were only sh- so long because they had to be simple. These days, you have to have like 4D chess going on yeah. by chapter three, or your readers are like, I was bored. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't sound like a real middle schooler, God help you. Yeah, so there's this weird like advice thing going around just to crack this open, you know, the Uh-oh. publishing end of things. It's really irritating me, and I'm starting to like lose my mind over it a little bit. People are like, yeah, some of the core differences between writing YA and middle grade, you know, most of YA is going to be in first person, and most of middle grade is going to be in third person. And I'm like, what middle grade are you reading? Okay, if you're still reading the first, like even the first Percy Jackson novel was in first person, yeah. like. We've moved beyond the point where, like, most middle middle school books that I've read or middle grade books that I've read that have been published in the last two years have been in first person, present. So I'm like, what? Do they seem a little out of touch then. I think they're yeah. out of touch. But that's also the point, too, about this age group is that the books have to become more sophisticated because the kids grow up that fast. Like, mm-hmm. you get three years in middle school, done. Yeah. If you're the kind of fourth grader who was already reading, like, and wasn't censored, and I mean, there's all kinds of things around that, but yes. like, if you're the kind of fourth grader who like got your whole five years of reading middle school books, more power to you. But you're done by eighth grade because you I mean you've kind of done that. You know, you want to read. There, I've met you. We've Until all you met get those, old and you're like, oh, this middle grade sounds good again. Right, but we've all met those tenth graders, right? Or we may have gone to school with those tenth graders, or maybe were I was not, but I knew some of those tenth graders who were like. Yeah, I've been reading my way through the uh, collected works of Charles Dickens, the unabridged version, thank you. Because I'm, I don't, and you see them carrying them around, and you're like, what, like, tankhead wants to read Charles Dickens That's in 10th grade? Like, you're reading, like, Les Mis, and you're reading the brick unabridged version. Yeah, right. And and that's, well, that's because you're a theater kid. That's a different story. That but just different. read the abridged version. Don't read the unabridged Moby Dick, version. Man. Moby Dick. Yeah, right. Like, some, like, I'm like, excuse me. You don't have to be pretentious just because you're in high school now. I feel like, like any of us who actually legitimately read those books in high school or whenever, we read them, but we didn't want to be made fun of because I got enough heck from my sisters at home being made fun of for actually knowing how to read <laughs> that <laughs> hope one day you, y'all listen to this podcast. Y'all tortured me. I go to therapy because of you. Um, but no, therapy, like also known as working in a library. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's being the therapist. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's... It, it's yeah. It's I feel like a lot of those people, like like the kids who legitimately read and even mildly understood a book like that, I I kept it hidden. Like I didn't want people to like see me reading. You were of a different generation. Well, considerably. Yeah. Well, at the time, borderline boomer. I met. I met those. I mean, those kids irritated the crap out of me because they were like, "If you want to read real books, you should try reading Tale of Two Cities. It's fabulous, darling." And I'm like, "Why are you speaking in a British accent? <laughs> Just because you're reading Charles Dickens, like." Get out of my face. I read the second Aragon book three times this weekend. What did you do with your life? <laughs> Got through two more pages of A Tale of Two Cities. <laughs> and then you read it after they tell you, oh, you should read this, and you're like, And these are the Why? same kids who can't grasp Hamlet. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. 
So you did can't you harass Hamlet. That's hilarious. The book? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you, you, you can read Dickens, but you can't read Hamlet. <laughs> All right. Well, that's one thing. Anyway, don't get me started. I'm being so, okay, like, so, so a middle grader. Some of the stuff you shared in there, and I'm glad you shared the Walter Dean Myers article mm-hmm. in the Working Doc, because mm-hmm. um, it... I love, we've had discussions about, I think, a similar interview he gave, where he's like, I saw myself. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a really, really, really good article, too. Yeah. And I think that's really what's more of what's happening right now in middle grade, too, is like, mm-hmm. it's experiencing the boom that YA is still in the middle of, but started a couple of years ago. Like, I feel like middle grades started more recently, at least in my, yeah. like, I think so. you spend more time with it than I do, so yeah. I'm willing to defer to you there. But. Yeah. There's been a huge, like, yeah, there has been a boom, and I think it's only just, like, it's just now starting. Like, the number of significant YA authors, or at least people who were significant in, like, 2013, 2014, or who had, like, budding careers in 2013, 2014, they were, like, authors to watch. All of them, if they want to maintain a career in the current, like, kid-lit landscape, all of them have started writing middle grade. And the ones who don't care, like, they're just like... I want to write YA, YA is what I write. I don't have to make money at it. I'm going to work with my little editor over here who buys my works and I'm going to do what I do because I refuse to like become something that I'm not. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if they're if you're not, okay, you know, and this is going to sound like an indictment. It's not really an indictment, it's just the truth. If you're not, you know, a queer black indigenous person of color, um or it's some version of that, YA has a really difficult time pitching you to anyone. And you have to be someone who's just like already got a name, like Sandra Clare is never gonna not sell a book. Yeah. Or you have to be someone that has like a devoted readership that no matter what you publish ever for the rest of perpetuity, like they're just gonna like hook onto you. But there is a weird like not golf, it's not bad. Again, it's not an indictment, it's just a reality. And that's fine. There are authors who are none of those things who are like, but I like writing YA. And I wanna write YA. So I'm gonna keep doing that. And there are others who are like, crap. I need to make money because I'm 60 and my husband's retirement money is coming around and it's not coming around fast enough. How do I, like, and they switch to middle grade because their agent's like, I think you should switch to middle grade because because there's a boom happening right now that's going to get bigger in the next Have you, few so years. On the topic of that, I know there are plenty of authors who, again, are switching partially because the tide said it that way, but partially, you know, they have had the idea that actually works for them that yeah. way. Have you come across anything you feel is more disingenuously... Middle grade. Ooh, that's a good question. Because again, ever so, I see this more in like specifically like adult romances, especially like clean and wholesome ones, quote yeah. unquote, <laughs> where somebody you know they're doing like the oh it's single school teacher meets this cute little twelve year old and look her daddy's widowed like this is gonna be you know you know where this is going yes but then you talk to the 12 year old and i'm like have you spoken to a 12 year old ever, <laughs> ever. in your yeah. entire life ever in the yeah. last 25 years i honestly feel like it would happen more if middle if middle grade gatekeepers haven't been like hard to pass since eb white like hmm. they like middle grade editors are fierce they're like nah because most of them have been doing it for you know a decade two decades three decades they have imprints with their names on them and that kind of thing and so like they're not gonna let like crap fly not which is to say that there i mean there are plenty of i mean you know bad children's books that are published all the time we know this but 
on the level of like, is it something that a child can read, would read, would desire to read? That's like bottom base level line number one. And if the editor can sniff that this is something you're just trying to make money off of, 99% of the time, those just don't pass. Yeah. Some books are just bad. Like they're just poorly written or they're, you know, or they're like books that work for the kid that's that specific age. Like I read the first Dogman book and was like, I don't need to read the rest of these because I know this is exactly how these are going to go. And this works because it's written for 10 year olds. Like yes. it's funny. It's cute. It's great. But I'm not the kind of, I'm 33. <laughs> I'm not supposed to give this five stars. Yeah. I don't <laughs> like, need to read all 18 Dogman books. Yeah. Or there's those people. There's okay. Speaking of which. There are people who do not understand that children's books are written for children. Oh my god, yes. And this happens in middle school books all the time. Like picture books, people get it because they're usually reading them with their kids. Yeah. Early chapter books, same thing. There's that transition. You're sort of helping your kid like learn how to read. And people pat themselves on the back for that kind of thing, even if they're not really doing a good job of it. But anyway, <laughs> not going to go there. <laughs> middle school books, because they're the first time that your kids like are actually taking ownership of their own reading, like... Habits, habits and like they're developing what they want to read and how they want to read and what makes them comfortable and uncomfortable and so on and so forth. So you may not know at all what your kid is reading unless your kid is the kind of kid that shows up at the dinner table with a book and is like, this book is about grief or yeah. whatever. They're not going to say that. Or you, you know, go to the library with your kid and your kid's like, hey, look at all these books I just got. Yeah, or your mom asks you why you're sobbing on the couch because you're supposed to be doing your homework, and what you're actually doing is reading about Johnny Tremaine's hand tragedy as it is melting. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was a cocky silversmith, and he got what he paid for it. That was the whole point of the anyway, that's not the point. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. continuing um, So all of that is to say that, like, one of the tricks, one of the most irritating things in Goodreads reviews from... Adults. Not from parents necessarily, sometimes parents, but from teachers and library professionals who work with children. They'll read di- the first Diary of a Wimpy Kid book got trashed on Goodreads by grown-ups who work with children because they're like, this book teaches foul things. Stinky cheese, are you kidding me? And I'm like, have you met a middle schooler? Like, That's yeah, literally all that they is care about. So, like, middle schoolers talk smack. <laughs> all day because they can sounds like they're so far <laughs> removed from the they're so yeah. like distance like it, they're just they yeah. don't get it and i feel like it's like in the same vein like those educators and then similarly an adult who writes a picture book cannot get it traditionally published i'm sorry for how mean that sounds nope I, mm. this is a call out and it? then emails librarians <laughs> bookstores directly going, hey, I wrote this book to cover this important issue children should know about. Like, children don't read issue books because they are issue books. Yeah, right. They might read an issue book, such as The Good Kind of Trouble, to give it a very broad label of that. Sure. Because it's interesting, because Shay is a good character who they can relate to, and it just so happens she's facing Black Lives Matter and all of that kind of thing at the same time. But they are not reading it because it is a Black Lives Matter book. No, they might even just only read it. Like, there's, there are some kids who are, I mean, especially these days, you know, there's a kid that sees, she's a black girl reader, she sees a black girl on the cover, and she's like, ooh, must read. And might come back and go, eh, it was boring, <laughs> yeah. which is fine. Yeah. But, like, that's the f- initial draw. But you have to be good to yeah. keep the reader engaged because they're 12, and they can s- they talk crap all day. So, and they can like, smell the BS in the book a mile away. Like, oh, yeah. yes. They open it, they read the first page, and they go, yeah, no, no, this is trash. We don't want it. There's a great clip from an 
old, um, it's like between Goblet of Fire and Order of the Phoenix publishing. And I think the first Harry Potter movie was coming out. So it was like yeah. just this whole big like, look at the Harry Potter yeah. phenomenon. So this is like 2000. Yeah, 2000, right, yeah. They, so yeah, there's this whole like segment where they're showing off different bookstores and different readers and so on. This one kid, little girl, grabs her signed copy of Goblet of Fire. So she's standing across from J.K. Rowling, flips open the book and goes, Oh man, this is not how it's supposed to start and storms off camera. Oh my <laughs> like, god. I was like, yes! Queen. That is exactly how middle school I mean that's just how they are, not even just how they read, that's just how they function in life. Well, to be fair, it deviated from the formula of the first three Harry Potter. Precisely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that's you know, middle school readers in a nutshell don't have time for your yeah, be honest with them. Again, couch it in language that is appropriate for them, that makes sense yeah. for them, both developmentally and emotionally. I really yeah. need a Kleenex. But, like, they can smell if you're faking them out. It's true. And they know instantly if they're going to be, like, even from, like, the back cover, they know if they're going to be taught something or if they're being given a good story. And, you know, it's always funny, like, so there are a couple of books that I read mm-hmm. when I was in that age group that I would never have read even the one that was assigned for homework, because I was just like, <laughs> I can fake it. Like, I don't have to read this book to get a good grade in this class. And my teacher knew that about me, smartly. So, oh, he says, I want you to read this book. I think you'd really like it. I didn't know that literally later that day, he was like, I'm assigning you, you the eighth grade, to read this book, because I think you will. You know, it's, a, it's important, blah, blah, blah. No, he just said, I think you'd really like it. So I take my copy home. And I do all of my homework first, and then I start reading it. And four chapters later, Johnny Tremaine is losing his hand, and it was just like a complete. I had never cried on a book before. I had read all of the Chronicles of Narnia books like yeah. 15 times by this point, and I never cried, like ne- never shed a single tear. But that chapter in Johnny, I was bawling. <laughs> it's pretty graphic, but I was also yeah. I, was, I was losing my stuff. And the other book was. Um, Tom Sawyer. I don't know why I read Tom Sawyer in fifth, sixth grade, but I just did. Like, I just started it. And okay, put, sure. And the, the weird description of, like, Tom whitewashing the fence did it for me. Like, I was like, oh, oh, this guy gets kids. And my teacher <laughs> looks at me and goes, oh, yeah, you might find Mark Twain interesting. And then I read the interval, which is the worst short story ever written. And I was like, this is trash. And he's like, you might change your mind about Mark Twain eventually. And he was both right and wrong. Um, I think Mark Twain's a genius. I also think he's a fool. But Not you know. everything's a winner. No, no, his essays are winners. That short story, nope. See, my anyway. teacher did that to me with uh, Agatha Christie's and then there were none. I wasn't wanting to read it. I didn't want to read it. Yeah. She was going to assign it to us, and um, it was part of our class where we got to read whatever we wanted and then come back and, like, it was basically book club, but an yeah. actual class. <laughs> I can't, you know, whatever works. Like, I don't understand why you just wrote book reports on whatever book you were reading. Oh, uh, book um, But she assigned that as the one specific book that we had to actually sit down and read in class. And so she hands it to me first. And then she was like, read this book. And I was like, okay, fine, whatever. So I get like halfway through and then she like announces that she's doing it. And I'm already halfway through and I'm just going, 
like basically hitting the spine of the book on the table at this point because like I like the suspense aspect of things but I've read too many one too many Nancy Drews and played one too many Nancy Drew video games on my computer at home so I know exactly where this book is going at this point except you haven't encountered Agatha yet <laughs> so I'm hitting the book on the table and she's like how's it going for you and I'm like I hate this book right now <laughs> I did the same thing when my teacher gave us Lord of the Flies and with like uh, Other ones too, except with Lord of the Flies, one of my uh, classmates actually spoiled the whole like one of the uh, the core deaths. Yeah, yeah, the core death that of the whole entire book spoils what? it for me on the first day they assign the book really? to us. I looked at him and I said, "Sure, okay." Went home, read it the whole entire like weekend. Mm. And then came back into class after having read it and watched both movies because there's two different versions of the movie. Because I was just my brain. You're you, yes. Yeah, I, I, mean. I see that. And yes. once the hyperfixation was there, I was like, okay, fine, whatever. I came back and I looked at him in class and I said, I hate you. Thanks for telling me the spoiler of the story. And I couldn't sit there in class the whole entire time because I had already finished the book and we were like reading the audiobook oh, version. Oh, no! And the audiobook version is detrimentally boring because the guy has like the droning like monotoned the whole entire time for the story actually well some people don't know how to read their own work Cassandra Clare oh I'm sorry (laughs) and so like I sat in class and I was just like I don't know what to do now I don't I don't know how this works now you know go you were talking mystery and I wanted to throw a book at you um because we (laughs) I read it two years ago. It was during lockdown. Aaron yeah, pulled it out. It's one of her favorite books. Yeah. Um, Am I going to have to pull it out It's not going to go out the window. Um, Westing Game. Oh, Ellen oh that's, a, that's a classic. Like, yeah. it's one of her favorite books. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, whatever. Like, mystery's not my thing anyway, so like... But the Westing Game is everyone's Is that but, the one where it jumps perspective from character to character? Or I think it does. It I think does. There's, there's um, the millionaire dies and leaves clues for everyone in the one apartment building that he owns. I think I remember reading that. The main character is Turtle. Okay, of course it is. <laughs> I, like, I think it's Tabitha, but she doesn't like Tabitha because it's the 80s, so she's turtle. Sure. Yeah, no, no, I, I mean, I get it, but, like, that's... Oh, and I, okay. It's such a good... I've heard that's a classic. I mean, you yeah, should no, definitely give it a go. Okay. I've um, been meaning to for years. Why do we not Take your time. You know, yeah. don't force it on you. Well, that one and, like, Frankel E, Basil Weiler, yeah. oh, I've do? also been no. meaning to get to, and I haven't because, you know... Like I was no, saying, it's lost. We don't own Tony. the Western game, Tony. Fix this so I can read it. I got you. Thank you. It's it's pretty. You good. throw this at yeah. me and I can't read it. I mean, you well, check out. Could no. I check, could. Uh, Hoopla or I, that's what I was gonna do. Okay. Here. Um. Well, we're all. Okay. I have to I write a three-page paper first. Well, this just came to me. Is there somewhere we want to see middle grade go in this great Google <laughs> era that we are living in? Oh God. You asked. I want to see um, a middle grade dystopian and post apocalyptic. So you want the giver again? Yeah. Yes. Well, it just won the Newberry. It's called The Last Quintista. Read it. Um, Actually, I haven't read it, but Kathy. When Kathy was talking about it the other day, I'm like, I really want to check this out. Yeah. So I. Oh, gosh. Okay. You just. You. You know what you're doing. I know what buttons to hit. It's fine. Okay. So. Oh, not another rant. (laughs) It's not really a rant. Um, so as we are slowly progressing forward and... This looks like a nicer version of you know, Nights Out. Um, <laughs> we have Kyle Lukoff writing wonderful Newberry Honor winning books. Um, book. 
we've got... It will be books. Yes, right. We've got Alex Gino continuing to break mm-hmm. bread or something. Break, break barriers? Break open barriers. Thank you. That's it. Break barriers, glass ceilings, so on, all of that. The one area in which all of children's lit, not just middle, <coughs> middle grade, but I think in middle grade it ha- could have a really special impact if we, like, set them loose. Queer kids of color have no spaces. I can literally like list like maybe 10 books. And none of them are trans. Not a single one of them. So that's one thing that like middle grade has to reckon with. It's like, okay, why are there no queer? Like there's a lesbian black girl. Um, there is... Well, you're thinking. I will yeah. Just, I feel like in general, while we have broken a lot of sort of quote unquote diversity barriers or whatever you wish to refer to them as, right. I feel like not a lot of intersectionality has necessarily been happening. Like there's a lot of gay books and there's a lot of books of color and there are some like disabled books and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. But there's not a book where there is a gay disabled black character. Hello. Like that. As the central character. Like, it's one thing to have And where it. all of those get to have like an equal share of the mm-hmm. aspect too. Yes. Like there might yes. be a gay book where a character happens to be Latinx or there might be like an Asian American book where another character happens to be a lesbian or something like that. Yes. But, but to have like the central characters still need, I mean it, we're getting some really interesting, sophisticated black girls written by black women. I mean, who have, inc- I mean, it's incredibly wide-ranging in a way that it never was or never might have been. However, none of those black girls is trans. Only one of those black girls is a lesbian. I mean, like, and there is to me, there seems to be this, I don't know if it's caution on the hands of, you know, cis black authors who are just like, I'm not even gonna, because if I mess it up, the Rainbow Mafia gonna kill me, <laughs> not today. Um, but I think they also understand what it feels like to be black, a reader, a writer, an intelligent person, and to not be published, even though plenty of white authors are publishing works about black communities and black children and not doing a good job. <laughs> and yet, I you, wonder why. And you know, an intelligent creative person are being told, no, we already have our black book for the year. And it's like, yes, but it was written by Ellen. <laughs> um, or Sue. Or like, sorry for all the black ladies named Ellen and Sue, but you know what I'm talking about. Or, you know, Robin or Let Jake. Or Sue, or, or Sue Ellen. Sorry, yeah. Sue Ellen. Uh, <laughs> but like, seriously, you know, it, it, it was, it, I think that's that's why there's a hesitation from black that's, cis yeah. black authors to cross into that I arena. Also think, like, you know, I don't know how much of this from the publishing end, but I do also think sometimes you hear, because, you know, the internet can't ever enjoy anything, like, you know, <laughs> somebody will say, well, you know, my main character is a wheelchair-bound Iranian bisexual girl and somebody's like nobody's all of those things at once and then the author has to be like I am literally all of those things at once which is the, oh don't get me started don't get me started let's get it started or like even just things like I remember Jason Reynolds saying this in an um there's a YouTube video of an event that he did with Daniel Jose Older 
And it was Jason Reynolds' like first like series of middle grade stories, and he was saying, you know, it's hilarious to me because people kept asking me, you know, why do you want to write a track book? And he was like, because I do not want to write a basketball book. Black kids do more sports than basketball. Like, and he's like, and he like ran over his whole career. He's like, that's why this kid did ROTC in my other book. This is why this kid did this other sport in my book. Because I refuse to write a kid playing basketball. Because guess what we've seen from black kids? Basketball. Like, yeah, done. Tired. Like, you know. And for me, it's like, yeah, I want to see a black boy who doesn't do sports or any physical activity whatsoever because that's real and a thing and no one believes it. Taking like, yeah. Jake Livingston. Well, yeah, but you know, yeah. Ryan's a nerd. <laughs> There's a reason for that. Or, uh, you know, case Also, Jake's got too much going on to do any sports. Like yeah. that kid. Yeah. He's got a lot happening in his life. Listen. Uh, uh, yeah, so much. But like, it's one of those things where it's like finding a way, finding a lane for kids to do things that we know that they do, but because in the, the popular narrative, well, queer kids experience life in this way. Yes. I had somebody say to me last night, beautifully, I've never had, literally never had a person say this to me before, but he looked at me and he goes, I am so sorry. I have realized that for the last few hours I've made huge assumptions about how, what your life must have been simply because you're a black trans woman. And I just want to apologize for that because I should never have assumed those things. And I was just like, no one's ever astute enough to observe something like that Shout about out to me. that person. I'm gonna go pass out in the middle of your floor now. It's fine. Like, it was bizarre. And yet, true. That we make assumptions all the time about characters, you know. Yes. I might read a book and go, no white girl at 12 ever thought these things. <laughs> and then you're gonna listen to one of my stories from being 12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm gonna go, oh, all right, never mind. <laughs> Harriet did spy. I see. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Yes. By the way, subterfuge queer classic for anyone who didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Like Frog and Toad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how anyone read Frog and Toad and didn't see that one, but you know. Okay. So circling it back, since we are, well, and not running quite out of time. But again, like maybe not a top favorite, but a favorite middle grade from everyone. Just like something that they have read and enjoyed. Aaron Jackson of the Percy's. All of the well, Percy Jacksons. Admittedly. Jackson and the Percy. Yeah, those are fantastic. <laughs> like, I just read his new one, Daughter of the Deep, and I need everyone to love that as much as they love Percy I like his, all his different, like, so little imprints. good, you guys. Nice. I like it's all so his, good. Okay. I like all his little, like, imprints, like, the other authors within his, like... Yes. So oh, yeah, the... That, that he's been, like... Required and Presents. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I love all of those, like, just because of the way that they're written and the way that they go, mm -hmm. and... Yeah, like, Rick understood the secret sauce. For yep. That, like, comes great. to me, at me, yeah. and it, like, warms my little 12-year-old fantasy reader soul. They're, before yeah. I started getting into the anime manga scene, like, mm -hmm. it warms my soul. Yeah. So, therefore, I'm happy. His new one's more sci-fi, I would say. Ooh. Oh, sure. So, so I'm down for this one. Yeah. It's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, but, you know, sideways. <laughs> yeah, but sideways. I right? yes, love exactly. that. Yes. Okay. Anyways, next. Um, I've always been partial to The Giver. I wrong love The Giver. Would not have loved it in middle school because I read it in my senior year of high school. Would you consider it a middle grade book? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Square. I think it's solidly a middle grade book, especially because it gets read so often in fifth and sixth grade. But I don't think it has an impact 
on most readers until they're older. Confession, yeah. I've never actually read it before. I've never have either, actually. There's a good graphic novel. Really? Uh-huh. I read Gathering Blue once, but I never uh, read it. Uh, my lowest Lowry, because of who I am as a person, was Number of the Stars. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, I could... Okay. Have you read all four? No, I've only read the original. And back to the, top, back <laughs> yes. to the topic of um, book reports, I remember doing a book report for it. I did too. I always love doing a book report. I hate book reports. <laughs> I always hated them, sorry. <laughs> I feel like I always just like... Grant's like, I love something and I hate it. No. <laughs> um, okay. We just, no. You guys have different tastes and we respect yeah. that. Which, yeah, we're both weird on different frequencies. Sorry. <laughs> Can I insert, um, reinsert uh, Tuck Everlasting in there? Cause I'm oh, like, Tuck Everlasting. Ooh, I need to read that one because... You want to cry? Tuck Everlasting. Okay. Freak the Mighty. Yes. Sure. What was that? Freak, Freak the Mighty. Oh, that's that's that. another sad Again, one. I mm, wow, yeah. Yeah. The Devil's Arithmetic. All right. Um, <laughs> let me not choose a sad middle grade book. <laughs> Apparently um, we all wanted to suffer it. I mean, yeah, because I've already... Oh, my God, stop! <laughs> I've already chosen or said Johnny Tremaine because I that was can the I, first book that made me Can I cry. throw, um, oh, my God, um, Madeline Langle out? Uh, Wrinkle Wrinkle Time. Time. Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah, these are all old, like, classics um, Which, that I need to... That dates all of us. Yes. Yeah, they're fantastic, but... Because, you know, old. I've tried to keep up with middle grade, but I have to keep up with young adult and adult enough that, like, it's not happening for me. Yeah, I would say... Oh, I'm recent. I'm still just sort of, like, diving in. But I would actually say, like, King and the Dragonflies is so slept on. It is beautiful. And I think it's the kind of book that can be read at multiple ages throughout your life and will make you cry for completely different reasons, no matter the kind of human that you end up becoming. Um, because it's, I mean, it is ostensibly about grief, but what it really is about is a child, like, finding out that maybe the world around him doesn't have space for him yet, mm. and that his dead brother knew that before he did, and his the one person, his dead brother, he wants to talk to it about the most as he figures himself out, is no longer here. Which, again, sad middle grade. Sorry, guys. Um, not sorry, guys. That That's a... I think there's something about middle grade, too, that like you're kind of emotionally aware enough for the first time for a good heartstring tugger like yeah. that. Like, you're developing deeper feelings, deeper understandings of the world. You are confused about things like why your brother would die yeah. or what the Holocaust was about or anything like that. Yes. Like, you are grappling with a lot of new things that you've just developed the brain capacity for. And middle grade authors love to just punch you in the heart because you're a middle schooler, then you can take it. Yeah. <laughs> a more recent one, um, Anna and the Swallow Man. I, yeah, you were mentioning that one. By uh, yeah. Gabriel Sabat. Um, yeah. Narrated expertly by uh, Alan Gorduner. Oh, yeah. But yeah. that's that tackles a... Um, World War II dynamic. Oh, yeah. Well, and which is big for middle schoolers. Um, I mean, just... They yeah, a bit of magical yeah. realism as well. But. Oh, cool. The disappear- the mysterious disappearance of Aiden S. is my favorite. Like, oh, yeah. You were telling me recent... Yeah, I need to read that one. You can... I ha- I didn't ask for permission to leave, so... Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Oh. Do we want to... Mac? Wrap this up. Yay. I don't have one. <laughs> uh, well, we could do um, Wilbur the pig. Um, no, we can't. <laughs> I would Absolutely kill, not. We're not no, I would kill we Wilbur can't. the pig because I want to eat the bacon. Um, <laughs> no, you would not kill Wilbur. That is what? not allowed. Why? That's the whole point of the story. <laughs> okay, um, I'll get the other one. What was it, Chief? Um, what was the, the, the pig that actually won? Um, um, I don't remember. Percy Annabeth Grover, go. If we're going middle grade style. 
<laughs> I want you to suffer. <laughs> Jen, you, I can't. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I can't answer this. You have to do it. I can't. Okay. I can't do it. I, I, my brain just died. <laughs> I don't like saying this, and the whole internet's going to kill me for it. No. Don't you dare. Bye-bye, <laughs> Percy. Who are we killing? No, but only because... I have latched on to both Percy and Annabeth with my whole heart. It's oh, be okay, no mind. Out. And I realize this because I love Grover. Like nothing are we, against are, are Grover. Are we killing Grover? Yes, but okay. I don't love Grover as much as I love Percy and Annabeth. And as the other two just like okay, a toss I, up in that way I agree with you. That's yeah. why. But I was still like, I can't kill. The, killing Grover is like killing Hagrid. Like. Yeah, it's just, you can't do that. It's not a good thing to do. Refresh my mind a little bit. Annabeth, was that Zeus's? No, no that's Talia. Athena's. Annabeth is Athena's daughter. And Percy's main squeeze. Yeah. I need to reread the series. Yes, you do. Like, I read it in like a couple days. Like, I just found it. Boom. Everyone needs to finish the whole, like, three book series with me because. Er. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. three separate trilogies. They're the saga. The saga. <laughs> I, I, I think I think your preference of Percy or Annabeth depends on how you feel that day. That is very true. <laughs> what about from the movie version? The no, I, I love those movies too. They were so I can't, great. I can't. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> Wait, what are we talking about? Fired. <laughs> but the, the movie TV versions. Show. Oh, when is that? Oh. They're, they, they're starting. They have not even announced. They haven't even oh, announced yeah. anyone yet. It's just greenlit that it is actually happening. Okay. Have you guys listened to this one? Yes. No, but I've heard it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? Okay.